You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 17 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I'm very excited to bring you a conversation with Lisa Bubin. She and I met back in March at um, an event for the Tim Tebow Foundation. You've heard about that periodically on the podcast. My dad um, is the president over there, and Lisa and I happened to sit at the same table, and I just feel like it was completely the Lord because we started talking, and just a couple minutes into her story, I think I was like, wait, I need to have you on my podcast. This is this is amazing. My listeners need to hear your story and just how it glorifies the Lord and how it hasn't been easy, but all the things that God has brought you through. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jess. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. And so to start off, I like to always start with the same question. And I was thinking about this question last night, actually, of kind of the heart behind why I start with this idea of how did you meet Jesus? And I realized, you know, I love love stories and asking every guest this idea of how did you meet Jesus? It's like, you know, whenever a couple has a love story, your first question is always, how did you meet? And so that's where I like to start here um, of how you came to know the Lord and kind of how how he's grown you in your time with him. Well, I love that. I love the way that you just kind of wrap that in a pretty bow because the truth of the matter is I didn't know Jesus growing up. So when you ask me, when did I meet Jesus? Like I'm very aware of the exact date and time of when I met him. Um, And it's not that I didn't like, you know, like God, or I just wasn't exposed to God. So my family didn't go to church. We just were a family of depending on each other. And there was never any higher power. Like God just wasn't talked about. So I, in 2006, joined a direct sales company in October. And in 2007, in January, I went to my first conference there. And at that conference, my mentor and my upline, she started teaching us about the business but she taught us with biblical principle. So it was the first time in my life that I was able to hear about God and hear about Jesus and connect it to something that I knew really well and understand it and not feel like it was being pushed down my throat. Like there was no expectation, like you have to come to church and um, what do you believe? And because I never knew anything one way or another, a lot of times in my life before this, when I was exposed to God and Jesus, which at that time I thought God and Jesus were the same. I didn't even know there was the Trinity. Um, I was just defensive. So it was really um, an aha moment for me at that conference. And that moved into years of being taught biblical principle through business. And so I was able to accept it. I was able to apply it. I was able to grow a team. And I've always loved people. I've always wanted to teach and nurture And all of a sudden, all these little puzzle pieces were being put together with everything. Like I loved, 
everything I just mentioned, I was able to put together in this loving way. So I really love that you asked me about the love story because it really was this beginning of a love story that has been my journey with Jesus. And so to wrap that in a nice pretty bow, we moved to Florida in 2009 with part of it was sunshine. Part of it was we were growing our businesses and I was bringing my direct sales business to Florida. I went home to Michigan the first week when we were in Florida for a business retreat. And little did I know, I went home thinking I was going to, you know, nurture my girls and grow my team. And no, God's plan was I'm going to bring you home and you're going to give your life to Christ that first weekend. And so really looking back, we know that we our move to Florida really was God's plan for our life. Because when we moved, we knew no one. Mm-hmm. And it all of a sudden put us in this place where we were going to have to rely on the Lord. Wow. Well, and so, you know, if you came to know the Lord a little later in life, so were you already married before all of this? Like married with kids? Yes. So yeah. what <laughs> impact did that have on your family, or are we getting ahead of ourselves in the story? It's a great question because it definitely was, it was a journey for me and it was a slow journey. And I didn't realize that um, in 2006, when I joined the business that I was like growing, my faith was growing and I was getting drawn to God. And then in 2009, I said, yes. And I remember I literally, when I said, yes, I was like, I called my best friend. I'm like, I don't know what I did this weekend, but I just said yes to the Lord. And she's like, oh my God. She's like, is this Lisa Buben? Because she grew up knowing the Lord, but she knew I didn't know the Lord. And I was determined, like, I don't need him. People would be like, I'll pray for you. And I'm like, thanks, but I got it. You know, like, well, prideful, but I didn't know any different. And so I love that about the Lord's character is that he knows everything about us. And he was so patient and so merciful And so giving that all of that was, you know, water under the bridge. Like he's like, okay, we get to start here. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question about my family, it was a little bit of a struggle because I had been slowly being nurtured and pulled toward the Lord. And I was wanting to lean into that. But my family was like, what's wrong with mom? Like, why does mom keep saying the word like, God bless you? Or you know, like, they're like, mom never said that. So it was it was a transition period for them as well. Mm. Yeah. So since you gave God your yes, essentially, what surprising doors have you seen him start to open for you? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, every day. I would say the big doors that he's opened for us is um, friendships and relationships and a sense of peace that I don't think Ben or I ever had. Um, we... When I came home that weekend, we immediately joined a church and that led to friendships with people who were, they were authentic friendships. They weren't just friendships out of living close to one another or having things in common. They were friendships where we were both interested in being better people, serving the Lord, learning about ourselves, self-reflecting. And it was also a season when our kids were Um, When we moved in 2009, they were 11, they were nine and 11. So it was a season of them having to meet new people. And, you know, the South is so much more embracing of church as family, Mm -hmm. whereas Michigan church was more of, um, it was something that everyone did, but 
it was like they would go to church on Sunday and then that wasn't talked about. It's all of my friends that went to church, they liked church, but I didn't see them hanging out with church people outside of, and it could have just been my age. But in Florida and in the South, like if you go to church, like that's your family. That's who you do life with. And so learning like, oh, these are not just people I'll see once a week on Sunday. These are people that are investing in our lives. Like we're going to do small group. They're going to ask about my kids. All of a sudden I have a village to raise my kids with. So it was, um, it was really nice because all of a sudden we had a support group. And my kids became involved. My kids found that they had a home. And we really felt we were starting to feel like Florida was home. Whereas our biological and blood family was home. We had no one here in Florida. So Mm -hmm. it was really a blessing for all of us. Yeah, that's amazing. The way that God can provide, you know, that new family. When we're following Him, he'll, He'll provide the community. But what would you say to that person who's listening and like, that sounds amazing. I don't have that. I feel isolated. I, I'm i a Christian. I believe in the Lord, but I just feel alone in it. What encouragement or maybe challenge would you have for them? Oh, that's such a good question because I feel like it really starts with us. Um, the first thing I think of is we're never alone. Um, you know, I think God is always with us and that's something that he promises us. But I do think that we have to have, we have to be brave. Um, I think that sitting home alone and being isolated is sometimes where we're most comfortable, but we have to take the first step. And I would encourage people just to take one step, just take a step of faith and go visit a church or today. I mean, you can watch church online. You can get involved in so many Facebook groups that are sisters of Christ and So I would say, and I'm really preaching to myself because I'm coming out of a season of, you know, really isolating and really being um, just stuck in fear. And so it was a conscious decision that I'm like, okay, I'm going to take one step today. I'm going to do one thing different than I've been doing. And it's amazing how God can bless that if you just go out in faith and take one step. So even if it's just a phone call to a girlfriend you haven't talked to in a long time and you need a connection, I would say, do it and trust that God is there with you. Don't be afraid because it's, it's hard. Rejection is hard. Yeah. God is there to soothe us and he will use every single point of suffering and pain to glorify him and to bring something good out of it if you allow it. But if you sit and don't take that first step, then you're stuck. You're, you're allowing yourself to be stuck mm-hmm. because you're never really stuck. It's a choice that we have to make to take a step. Yeah, gosh, that is a theme we have heard recently. In the last episode with Megan Tibbetts, we had that same conversation of like, even when we feel stuck, God is still at work. We're never really stuck. We might be in a season of waiting or a a season that feels uncomfortable. Right. But this idea of stuckness is just Mm -hmm. in our own heads. It's not reality. It's so true. There are so many people out there that if they knew you were suffering or they knew that you felt alone, they'd be the first one to let's go grab coffee. Like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling the same way. Like how many times do you hear that from someone when you, you are brave and you open up and they're like, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. Well, and what a great reminder too, to be reaching out to people in our lives, 
you know, if sometimes if they're the one who feels, you know, stuck or lonely, you know, getting that bravery to reach out to someone else can be really hard. So we need to be checking in on our friends who we know might be a little more isolated or live alone or, you know, might be going through a struggle. Like, yeah, we need to be checking on each other. And I really love that you say that because I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit will put someone on your heart. And I really feel like learning who the Holy Spirit is inside of us and acting when you feel that is so important. Like sometimes I think of, A lot of times in my quiet time in the morning or during my worship time in the morning, someone will come to mind and I instantly stop and send that person a text and just say, Mm. I'm thinking of you, you know, this verse brought you to mind. And so often, you know, someone will text back and say, thank you so much. You have no idea how much I needed that. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't me. It was God and the Holy Spirit that, you know, for whatever reason, but I think it's so important that as Christians and as daughters of Christ and, you know, all of his children, that we pay attention to that Holy Spirit that's living inside of us, no matter if it's paying for coffee or seeing someone cross the aisle at church that you can just tell is suffering. And then if they go up to the altar, just, you know, for me, it's always like, oh my gosh, the pain is so real. I feel it from the seat. I have to get up and just put my hand there for a minute just know you're not alone. I just want this to be God's hand on your back for the 30 seconds I'm going to stand here and just know you are not alone. That is so important to me that I follow the spirit because for so long I felt it and didn't know what it was in my life. I'm like, I don't know what that is. I'm not going to go talk to that stranger or et cetera. Right. It's like, no, that feels weird. That feels uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and you know, people often ask like, but how do you how do you know it's from the Lord? How do you know it's the Holy Spirit? So what would you say to that person? I would say paying attention. Um I really believe in time with the Lord. So there's I don't get to do it every day. I'm not a perfect Christian and gosh, please no, I'm not a perfect person because I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> but I do say I notice the days where I'm too busy to spend time with the Lord. I notice the difference because it's much easier to ignore that, that inner voice that's saying, you know, you need to go over there and pray with her. You know that you need to walk across the grocery store and pay for that lady's groceries, whatever it feels like. And you're like, I feel so weird. And they're going to look at me like I'm crazy, but you're, I'm like, no, I was in the word this morning. I felt him prompting me. So I feel like living a life outside of every Sunday of walking a Christian life, whether it be, for me, it's worship music, it's devotionals, it's time in the word. It's literally living all the time on mission. So I, you know, I try not to overdo it with my kids because sometimes they're like, mom, oh my gosh, if you say, you know, God bless you one more time, we were just going to throw something at you. So I'm like, okay, let me just try to be a normal person. But it's hard when you're on fire for the Lord. Yeah, I'm like, okay, let me just tone it down so that everyone can not think I'm a crazy. But when you're on fire, you're just like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You guys are going to have to wait five minutes. Because I feel the spirit calling and I have to go pray with that lady or whatever. I think they're just used to it. They're like, that's our mom. And in a wonderful way, I know they're so proud of me. And to... Um, piggyback on that, I want to tell you that another way that Jesus and God opened doors for us is 
in a season of really tough times for us in our marriage, Ben and I, and it was 2015. In that year, we were both baptized. So we both, we were both saved. But in that year, we both said yes to publicly declaring our faith the same day at the same time. And this was a very early on in our struggle. And later that year, during revival at our church, our boys said yes to Jesus and were baptized. And this is in the middle of what I thought was like, it can't get worse. Nothing can get worse. And when I think back to that year, I don't think of the tough time. I think of what God did in our marriage, how he strengthened our marriage, how we said yes to God in the middle of what felt very dark and the light was just peeking through, but God's like, it's still peeking. And then when the boys said, yes, I was like, okay, there is, there's goodness. That's going to follow this. We just have to continue to stay close to God. Mm, And I thank you for sharing that. Cause I feel like that's a really good reminder too, for someone out there who might be very discouraged because they've given God their yes, they're passionate about the Lord, they love the Lord, and yet the struggle didn't go away, or the problem isn't fixed, or life is still really hard. And so, you know, you sharing that you were in a very dark time in your marriage, in your life, and yet God was still working, but but it didn't get easier right away. It's not like a quick fix, it's which it's can— be hard. You know, when we, we've been honored and privileged to now be part of leading at our church. And when we are in small groups and talking with people, we always, you know, when we're asked to share a story in whatever arena, we always say, it doesn't mean that life is going to be super easy and there's no more pain and no more struggle. It means that God's with you. So no matter what you face, whatever valley, whatever mountain, God is there with you and he's teaching you something if you allow it, but by no means saying yes to God means that the rest of your life is rainbows and butterflies. Mm, Amen. Would you be willing to share a little bit more about what you walked through in your marriage? Yes. So in um, 2014, we were just, our marriage, well, at this point, and I'll tell you in 2022, we've been married for 28 years. So 2014, we were at the, what does that put me? I'm super bad at math. So it was around our 20 year mark is when things just started kind of getting crazy. And we, um, at the end of the year, we had had a year of, there was just a lot of tension. We had both had a lot of stress. We had both had big changes in our careers and jobs and there was some infidelity. So that happened. And then there was just also this season of, you know, how can I numb the pain? So there was a season of like, there was distance. We were, I mean, I am, the way that I handle stress and I'm still learning about it today is I just shut down. So I didn't even know that that was my numbing process. I was like, instead of feeling this pain, instead of not being strong and taking care of my kids through it, I'm just going to shut down on the relationship. And I think that was as bad and probably led up to some of what happened because when I was trying to deal with our distancing and us not having the connection, I had decided like, well, I'm just going to punish him. And there's just, I'm just not going to talk about it. We're not going to have, you know, a good relationship, you know, and it was, I'm a pleaser. So I was like, well, I'm not going to, I won't make dinner for him. And so it was like, I just wanted to punish. 
Mm. And so from that, they're just, that distance kept getting wider and wider. And then there was, you know, the infidelity and that just blew open our marriage. And that unfortunately lasted a year because we both were trying to decide, did we want to work together toward reconciliation and let God redeem it? Or were we going to, you know, are we going to go our separate ways and work on, I wouldn't say revenge, but just making, you know, blaming the mm-hmm. other like, and it, for me, it was so easy to blame because what happened, it was out there. You know what I mean? Like it was some people at church knew close friends knew. And it was like, well, obviously that was wrong. That was a sin, but I had to come to a place where I'm like, there was wrong on me and I sinned too, but mine wasn't public. Mine wasn't like, it wasn't a public obvious sin. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I contributed. So the beautiful part about it is it taught me and it reminded me that marriage is a 50-50 and you both give. So even if, and remember God says not one sin isn't worse than the other sin. They're all sin. So he was like, your perfectionist sin and your controlling sin and you're shutting down sin, all these sins that I had to work through, he's like, they're the same. You guys are on even playing field. Mm. So if you guys want to save your family and your marriage, then you're both going to have to take responsibility for how God's going to redeem you and how you can be, you know, a Christian daughter, a Christian son, and then invite me into your marriage instead of Ben depending on Lisa and Lisa depending on Ben. And then when we were both what happened is we were both just in a bad place. And so I wasn't strong and he wasn't strong. So we couldn't lean into each other and there was never God in the middle. Yeah. We had to learn what it meant to invite God into our marriage and then start living. And that required a lot of changes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what encouragement or hope might you have someone who is walking through a struggle like that in their marriage. And because you guys are still together and the Lord redeemed it and you're stronger than ever. So so how did you get to that point? I mean, you've kind of touched on it a little bit. Well, I would I would say first and foremost to be very transparent that it's a process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as it took for us to get there, which it was a slow fade, it takes even longer. So I think For us personally, having the church, having God, um, having fellowship with people who are going to pour into us. Um, The book, The Power of the Praying Wife, changed my life forever because, you know, in the middle of something like that, you're like, like, the last person I want to pray for is my husband. And it teaches you how the last person you want to pray for in any situation is the first person you need to be praying for. Mm. Uh, it also taught me that, you know, girl, this is a relationship and relationships require both sides. So you need to look in and see what you can do and what you contributed. So my encouragement would be, don't give up. Um, we went to counseling. Um, I would just surround yourself with Christian friends who are going to love you both because no matter, that's the best thing that happened to us is we had people around us who were not judgmental. Um, never, you know, there was shame for both of us and guilt, but our friends never made us feel like what we did, that we should hold on to shame or hold on to guilt. They were look forward. God can use this for good. God can use this to glorify him. So there's always hope. And I think hope and faith were 
I mean, I have a tattoo that is um, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, and I just held on to love never fails. God, I know the end of the story. You pro- you have promises that promise me it's finished. Like it, love will win. And I'm going to decide to choose love because you could choose, you know, being the victim and bitterness and resentment. And those are all in that situation. They're so normal. Yeah. But you also have the choice to choose the opposite, which is love and grace and mercy and redemption. And I'm like, I, I'm going to choose that because that, and that's also what I wanted my voice to see. Yeah. I mean, having children is such a blessing because you always live for something greater than yourself when you have kids. I mean, it's like, God's like, when you birth a child, he's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck. you thought you knew what love was. <laughs> oh. now, like if God loves us, like, I'm like, now you just know, you know, I'm like, I thought I loved my dog like more than I ever could love. And then I had kids and I'm like, Oh, and you know remember he loved us while we were still sinners like he gave his life for us Jesus yeah we were still sinners I'm like that every time I think of that I'm like wow I know it's amazing so what things have you learned about the character of God what do you love most about his character I think of God in the Bible as a love story I mean I am a true romantic at heart. I did grow up watching all the romantic movies and reading the romantic books. But what I think of when I think of God and I read the Old Testament and the New Testament is he was always making a way. He was always making a way for us to feel love and give love. And I feel like that's the biggest way we can glorify God is to accept his love and to give it out. And that's something lately that I keep, I keep being reminded of because as I've been isolating and living with my, you know, like when you go through a trauma like that, it's amazing how you can stuff things for years and think you're better. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, we're eight years out. And I'm like, "Uh Oh, it's coming up. And I didn't ask it to come up. Like, where's it coming from? Yeah. So it's like, all of a sudden I'm like dealing with something that happened eight years ago but it's because I have triggers from it that I've just been like ignoring, like the triggers would happen. And I'm like, Oh, I can handle that. And it's not true. Like you have to just put yourself in a place where you can get well and process over time, things that have happened to you in your life. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. So what is part of that process for you? Like, how do you tend to your heart, mind, body, spirit, and like start to work through those triggers? So, you know, um, one of the things that we talked about, or one of the questions I was looking at was, um, the Enneagram and I'm, I'm a nine and I'm a peacemaker. And so I think as you spend time really investing in yourself and learn about yourself, it's really helpful to know why some things happen to you. Like being a peacemaker is wonderful. I love that. That's what I am. But also being a peacemaker says, I'm even keel. I'm always easygoing. I put everybody else first, but when you're a peacemaker and you're not healthy, then you're, you're stuffing things. You're not, you're doing everything to please others and you're not taking care of your own soul and taking care of yourself. So one of the things I've done in the last couple months really is to start going to counseling and to just making time for myself. I've started, I started working out about a year and a half ago. 
And it has, I mean, I've always been athletic. I just haven't had an avenue for it in the last five years. Just to get your endorphins going. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I put on my praise and worship music on the way to the gym. And I'm like rolling down the windows and like singing out loud. I'm like, so I think that self-care is really important. It's not being selfish. It's oxygen mask here first. Every plane ride you've ever taken says, if you have children next to you, you put your oxygen mask on first on yourself so that you can take care of the child next to you. Mm-hmm. That is so important. And I think in our lives, our busy lives, it's really hard to take time for ourselves instead of giving. But I really believe like if I'm not taking care of myself, that's where I get to where I'm at. I'm just, I'm empty. My soul is tired. I'm weary. I'm empty. And so as I've gone into counseling, which I think is good for me and the people around me, because I want to be the best version, working out, spending time in the morning with the Lord, listening to worship music, serving at church, saying yes to the things that fill me instead of deplete me. So I'm not saying no to everything that deplete me, but I'm trying to keep a better balance um, and make sure that there's filling time that I've blocked out for me. And then there's also time where I get to be the giver. And as a peacemaker, you're giving a lot and you really, you just kind of set yourself on the, the side in order to make sure that there's always peace. And that's great, but it's not real all the time. You just, like I said, rainbows and butterflies is, you know, I am a very happy, normal person. Like I'm like, everybody should be happy today. Like everyone should be great. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, how are you always so happy? And I'm like, I'm not. When I'm at home, I'm like, I'm not always happy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm be real. Yeah. I, say, well, I do love being happy, but it takes work. It yeah. Takes work. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes situations need to be a, a little tense to get to like the authentic side of things, you know, as I understand the peacemaker tendencies, I'm a two. So I'm always trying to make sure everybody has what they need. And I have to remind myself that sometimes fulfilling their needs isn't actually what they need. Like sometimes they need to struggle through it and not have it given to them. Or sometimes people need to feel restless and not at peace because God's going to use that to get them to the next season that they need to be in or to teach them something. You know, it's like I have to so often set aside what I think is best and let people struggle through something sometimes. Battle preach and amen. <sighs> it's I, hard. It is so hard. And it's hard for a perfectionist and a control freak. You always want to be like, oh my gosh, someone's falling. Let me catch them. And then prop them back up. And like, <gasps> And you know, the truth of the matter, sometimes I think you're like, someone's falling and and they're like, I'm not falling. And you're like, so again, it's perceived reality. It's what your, your experiences in your life that make you think someone's falling. And they're like, I'm not falling. I'm really fine. And you're like, oh, and I think a lot of that sometimes stems from fear of what in the past, you just are trying to not let it happen again. But in the mix of that, it just becomes overwhelming for the people in your life who are like, I got this. I'm okay. If something happens, I, it's okay. And I'm like, I know, but I just want to, you know, I want to yeah. be the savior. And God's like, oh, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay, sorry. Sorry. No, that's you, not me. Yeah. So what would you say is your life message? Oh my gosh. 
Love, you know, I would say love, love, love. Um, always choose love. I, since I've been a little kid, I have loved people, um, always loved to be around people. And I really think that love is a choice. Um, I also would say laughter. There's been so many seasons of my life where I am a very serious analytical thinker. Um, and I just put my, like, I just don't do anything anymore. I'm like, well, you know, that's not proper. And I, you know, I don't want to be seen doing that. And I'm like, but if I go and do it and I'm not doing anything wrong doing it and it's fun. And I laugh like a couple of times I've laughed in the last couple of months. My brother makes me laugh. He has the best dry sense of humor and he can make me laugh on a text. And I mean, I want to laugh out loud in my office. I'm like, I can't, she's alone in there. What is she laughing at? I'm like, oh my gosh, that feels so good. So I would say my life message is choose love, choose laughter, and take a step forward. Remember, you are not stuck. It's your choice. And Mm -hmm. we can choose to be the victor or the victim. And God promises us victory. So trust them. Take just a baby step. Just take a baby step and just see what happens. I love that. I love that. Um, So before we wrap up, we're almost out of time. I always love to end with the question of what did I miss? Or what is some final thought that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Um, You know, what comes to mind is gratitude. Because my life today, I am so thankful. It's not perfect. There's struggles every day. But I... I'm so grateful for my husband, my two boys, my oldest son is married and I have a granddaughter who literally calls me up on FaceTime and she's like, Molly, I love you. And I'm like, everything else, it just doesn't matter. Like live today, like maybe tomorrow. Remember tomorrow's not promised. Mm -hmm. So live today as a gift, enjoy it, laugh and, you know, family and church and God. And I mean, I think about it. We just, we get to walk into church and we don't have to worry about if I go into church, will I get shot? If I go into church, am I going to get chastised when I come out because I have a Bible underneath my arm? Like we are in a place of freedom Mm -hmm. and so many people don't have that choice. So I want to be grateful for what I have. And I also want to use what's happened in my, the rest of my life to help people and serve people and love people. That is my message. Like if I could love people and glorify God, like let this not be Lisa, who's loving you. Let this be Jesus who is in me, care for you, pray for you, be concerned about your life and let you know that you are not alone. I would be, that's what I'm like. When I go up there to heaven, I want to sit in front of him and I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want it to be because of love. Mm. Yes, that's amazing. So I know I said that was the last question, but I have a request based on what you just said. I was wondering if you could close us out um, by praying over our listeners today. Okay. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this honor and privilege of being here with Jess today. Thank you for anointing our meeting, um, bringing us together for this time of just talking about you and sharing 
your love, your grace, and your mercy. And God, for every single person that's under the sound of my voice, I just want you to know you are not alone. Whatever you're going through today, know that there's a purpose for it, that God will use this to just strengthen somebody else's soul, to bring them hope, and to know that nothing that happens is is that it surprises him. It's something that I always hold on to that God knows it all. He's sovereign over everything. And that you are his son or his daughter. You are his child. And he loves you. The more, every bit of love that you can muster up for the people that you love in your life, God has that for you. And so I just pray future blessings over you and your family. And I pray that you would love like God loves you. And I pray that you would take a tiny step forward to get to that next place where he can use you. Wherever that next season is, I just pray that you take the step of faith, knowing that you're not alone, that he's with you. And I pray that in that step and in that season, that you'll be able to laugh and find joy like you've never felt before. And I, God, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful for my family, for all that you've done in our life. And I have every belief that there's so much more to come. So God, thank you for Jess and all that she does and her sweet, sweet demeanor. And gosh, thank you, Jess, for making this just a wonderful experience that I could not wait for. And God, we thank you for all that you do and bringing us together. We love you and we praise you. We praise you. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Lisa. It was such a joy to talk to you today. Yes, Jess, you too. What a wonderful conversation with Lisa. I just love her joy and uh, her passion for the Lord and for serving women and her willingness to share her story and the struggles that that she went through in her marriage and in the way that she's still processing through those. I think that's such an important reminder that, that, you know, when we're walking with the Lord, He'll continue to take us to new places, but some of those old wounds still linger. And that doesn't mean God isn't good. It just means, you know, we live in this broken world and there are some things that we'll have to repeatedly release to Him. And, like daily choose forgiveness and daily seek Him and um, let go of that control. Um, You know, so I just really appreciated Lisa's honesty in that of like, she's in this great place in her marriage, but there are still struggles they walk through and, and you have to continually go back to the Lord with it and rely on Him to be our strength and our support and our, and just, accept his grace too for our continual shortcomings like no one's perfect we will continue to fail we will continue to sin and yet as we take one step with the lord every day and continue to draw closer to him and release things to him you know hopefully he'll use us in spite of our failures and he does that is his goodness and his grace that he continues to use us in the midst of all of our shortcomings and i just love that about him i love it so much. Um, So I just can't wait to see what God does next in Lisa's lives and in each of your lives. Like, let me know where you're at. I would love to hear more of your own love story with the Lord. You know, are 
our mission statement at Collected is collecting stories that remind us of who God is and who we are in Him. But I realized lately, too, that I'm also collecting love stories, these love stories of God pursuing His children and fighting for them and growing them and never letting them go. You are never alone when you are in the Lord. And, you know, week after week, I just get to listen to these people share the love story that they have with the Father. And it's so beautiful and it's so encouraging. And it's not always easy, but it is always for the goodness and glory of God. And I believe He will use that and He will continue um, working in and through us when we give Him our yes. And so I just hope you find encouragement in that today. And maybe take a few minutes to reflect on your own love story with the Lord. Where has He taken you? What has He brought you through? What is He working and transforming in you right now, even as you listen to this? Um, so, you know, maybe just take a few minutes and and praise Him for the work He's doing in and through your life. And I will see you in a couple weeks, or you'll hear me in a couple weeks <laughs> um, if you come back. If you don't follow us on Instagram, check us out at Collected Ministry. I'm going to be doing a few summer vacation giveaways coming up um, at the end of the month, so you'll want to check us out there. And I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.